you meet people, and then you forget you have to read. Good morning, everybody. Uh, today's uh, word is going to be in Mark 14, verses 66 through 72. And as Peter was below in the courtyard, one of the servant girls of the high priest came. And seeing Peter warming himself, she looked at him and said, You also, you also were the Nazarene with the Nazarene Jesus. But he denied it, saying, I neither knew nor understand what you mean. And he went out into the gateway, and the rooster crowed. And the servant girl saw him and began again to say to the bystanders, This man is one of them. But again he denied it. And after a little while, the bystanders again said to Peter, Certainly you are, the, are, you are one of them, for you are a Galilean. But he began to invoke a curse on himself and to swear, I do not know this man of whom you speak. And immediately the rooster crowed a second time. And Peter remembered how Jesus had said to him, Before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. And he broke down and wept. Welcome and thank you all for being here today for this particular message. It is certainly a poignant message. We, of course, know that Jesus prophesied what would happen to Peter, what would happen on that day that he would deny Peter. We know that Jesus had told Peter that Satan had asked to sift him like wheat. And so it began right there. Last week, when we spoke in Mark, it was that interesting passage about Jesus before the high priest, Jesus before the Sanhedrin. We had spoken about how there was a pretrial to the one that was uh, elucidated within Mark. There was the pretrial with Annas, the former high priest, the one who controlled all of the things with regard to the temple in the area, even though he was no longer officially in power. We then went from him to that particular meeting with Caiaphas, which would have been his son-in-law, and the Sanhedrin. And we had those curious words in Mark chapter 14 that seemed to, seemed to be out of place because Right after he is, it says he's with the chief priests and the elders that were gathered together in 54, it says Peter had followed him at a distance right into the courtyard of the high priest, and he was sitting with the officers and warming himself at the fire. And we hear nothing more about Peter through, let's see here, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11 verses till we come back to Peter again. It is interesting how Mark put that right where it is at. We have now located two important people in the story. We have located Jesus in trial with the Sanhedrin. And we have Peter, the chief apostle, in the courtyard below where the trial is happening. It is a strange juxtaposition of these two people that are intimately attached here. The title of the sermon, as you see up there, is Hidden in Plain Sight. I would propose to you that we have Peter who is in the courtyard, and we're going to get to how he ended up there in a moment, but we have Peter in the courtyard standing on his own two feet, standing under his own power, standing under his own desires, trying to be the man. We can't forget, as the other week, where John, Pastor John, other Pastor John, had preached through the passage in chapter 14, where it said in verse 50, right after the arrest of Jesus, and we remember this scene, I can't help myself from going back to picturing it, that when they came to arrest Jesus, there were between 500 and 1,000 soldiers there. 
When they ask, are you Jesus? And he says, I am. Everyone that is there hits their knees. And then when they seized him, it says in verse 50 of chapter 14, it says, and they all left him and fled. Every one of his followers fled at that moment. Out of fear, they fled. We remember Peter, we remember his words, his, what we would say, hubris, his pride, his ego, when he would say that even if all, even if all the others fall away, I certainly will not fall away. I am not like them. I'm not weak like these other apostles. I'm not weak like these other men. I'm different, Jesus. But uh, Jesus did say that Satan had asked to sift him like wheat. And Jesus' response to Satan was, uh, Jesus' response to that situation was, Peter, I have prayed for you. I have prayed that you will come through this. So we're getting to the this of that statement. This is what we're talking about. Peter is now in that courtyard. John 18.15 tells us this interesting story. We have to, this interesting uh, detail about this. Uh, John, of course, is not one of the synoptic Gospels. The synoptics are Matthew, Mark, and Luke, uh, meaning that they're similar. Of similar, so They tell similar stories. They share similar ideas and concepts. Mark, or excuse me, John is entirely different. John would be of the genre of what they would say is a legal Jewish testimony. You see witnesses all over the place. Uh, for example, in the Gospel of John, witnesses that tell us things about what is happening. Uh, witnesses that attest to what is happening. And so John takes a slightly different viewpoint from a slightly different angle of what is happening here at this, at this trial and also with where Peter is located at. And if we look at John chapter 18, verse 15, it says this. Now they all fled. And now it says in 1815, Simon Peter was following Jesus. Peter is following at a distance. Of course, you can't miss 500 to 1,000 men who have arrested somebody and where they're traveling to. You know, it isn't like they were hidden. It's a large group of men, noisy, loud, middle of the night. They've probably got, they've got torches or whatnot. So you can see where they're at. So Peter can see where they're going. So he is following at a distance, he says. And it also says, so was another disciple. Now, I would say this, if you read enough uh, if you read enough, it, the disciple is not identified in this passage, this other disciple. But there is a lot of commentators and biblical scholars who believe that this was, was John himself who was with Peter when this happened. And it says these curious words in verse 15. It says right after the other disciple, it says, Now that disciple was known to the high priest and entered with Jesus into the court of the high priest. So somehow this other disciple, who could be John, was known by the people and the officials that were there, and was able to enter into that courtyard of the high priest, that he wasn't stopped. No, not you, you're allowed to come in. They didn't see him as bothersome, they didn't see him as troublesome, he was allowed to come in here. But remember, this particular, this particular narrative in Mark is about Peter. Verse 16 of John chapter 18 says this, But Peter was standing at the door outside. Now, we don't know if Peter was stopped at the door, or if Peter didn't feel comfortable enough because of the situation, the, the tenseness of the situation, anxiety-ridden of the situation. Remember, Peter did just cut the ear off somebody. You can't forget that. And that guy's there. You know, that guy didn't go away to the infirmary. That guy is with them because Jesus healed him. So that guy could probably identify who this was that cut off my ear. So maybe there's that hesitation as Peter has gone up. Uh, I need to see what happened to Jesus because we know that Peter loves the Lord, right? I, I need to know what's going on. I'm, I'm afraid we ran away, but there goes the group. I've got to go up there. I've got to follow them in. I just need to know what is happening. 
And he stops at the door because now we're getting into dangerous territory. The people that have arrested Jesus are on the other side of that doorway, of that gateway. The people that have arrested the Lord and taken him away in chains or bound him in ropes are on the other side of that. You know, we are, we are approaching dangerous waters. As a sailor would say, dangerous shoals are ahead. Proceed with caution. Don't just go barging in. So Peter is standing at the door. The other disciple is known and apparently not bothersome. He's able to enter right in. But Peter standing at the door outside. So the other disciple, who was known to the high priest, went out and spoke to the doorkeeper. It's important to know that that, that particular word there for doorkeeper is in the feminine. Because we're going to come back to that again. That's the gender it's given in, the doorkeeper. And this disciple brought Peter in. We will not hear any more about this disciple. We don't know if he stayed after he brought Peter in. We don't know what happened to him because we hear nothing more about him. So Peter is in that courtyard. That's where verse 54 was. That's where how he got in at verse 54. So he's standing there. It says he was warming himself by the fire. They might call it a brazier out there, or the way they burn things. They would have charcoal in there that was burning to keep it warm. The nights in the desert get cold. Soldiers there. It says there's officers there. And Peter is now in amongst them. He is in enemy territory. Warming himself. He... It's probably, we're, we would probably locate the time sometime right around or right after midnight. Now we're going to introduce some other players in the story here. We're going to come back to that doorkeeper who was a slave girl. We're going to talk about some other bystanders that are there. We're going to talk about, obviously, Peter, who we've been talking about. We're not going to hear much. Well, we'll hear a little bit about Jesus. But we're also going to hear about a rooster that's in this story that plays a very peculiar part to what is happening here. Perhaps like a sentinel in the night. And we're going to find out some information about those particular roosters that is fascinating in Jerusalem because it is a little unusual when you hear what they're known for. Peter goes in there, one of the disciples, one of the apostles, one that will found the new church after the resurrection of Christ. And he is literally hiding in plain sight amongst these people. Standing by the fire. Amongst those who would be the enemies of the Lord. I would say that he is most definitely afraid of being found out. He, if the man that you're following has just been violently arrested by 500 to 1,000 people, you can't help but be fearful of your own personage. You can't wonder or desire that this does not happen to me. I certainly don't want, want to be arrested. He probably doesn't know about the plot to kill Jesus that has been going on for a while. But I would propose to you that the situation is exceedingly tense for Peter. We can imagine him there ourselves, even, even at the moment, if you played sports, that the big game, right? When you're going out, the coach says to go in, this is the time, and you can feel it in your stomach. Or that time when you go to sit down in your classroom for a test that you didn't prepare enough for. Or as we spoke yesterday about here, how absolutely terrifying it is to most people to get up in public speak. If they have to speak in front of a group of people they don't know. That their stomach is just churning inside of them. Peter is, I can guarantee you 100%, he is like that. I know that because Peter himself is there under his own accord. He is there under his own power. 
He is there under his own faith in himself. I just need to find out what's happening to the Lord. Even though I just ran away from this situation, even though I tried to cut off an ear and, 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 and Jesus even rebuked me in that, it's not the time for this thing. I didn't come here for a rebellion of that sort. And I ran away. I just need to know. I need to get the information. But the only way I can do that is I need to be here at this place as close as I possibly get, can get to Jesus in this trial. And I'm going to be hidden in plain sight. The nice thing is it's after midnight. It's dark out. Faces don't look the same in the dark, in the shadows. Whereas in the light, you can identify a person from a great distance just by the way they stand. It's harder at night. So sneaking in under the cover of darkness that he's been led into this area, that he's before the fire, in this tense situation, hidden in plain sight, is Peter, the chief apostle. The funny thing about hiding in plain sight is, is you can't do it if you're just standing there amongst the people. You have to try to fit in with the group. You have to look and act like they do. Or at least fake it, as they say, fake it until you make it, right? You, he would have to be in this situation with these men who are technically the enemy of the Lord at this point in time, his rabbi, his Lord, what will be his Lord and Savior, right? He has to try to fit in with them so that he can stay there unseen. It's not like he's hiding behind a small corral or behind a little outbuilding. He is literally standing in front of the fire, it tells us, with others that are there with him. Trying to fit into that crowd. He can't draw attention to himself. I can't do anything that's out of place. i got to kind of be, you know, there's nerves around here. I'm acting like the right thing. Do I look enough like these people that are around here, these other people, were you dressed about the same? That's good. I got that all covered, right? I don't have time for a, for a disguise or a mask or anything like that. All I have time for is just to kind of going to come through the door. I'm invited in. I'm going I'm to act like I belong here. Everybody's gathered by the fire. I'm going to walk over there because if I'm standing out here away from that and everybody's over here, they're definitely going to see who I am. But I'm going to walk over there. I'm going to, going to hang in front of the fire. Jesus is up here in the trial. I don't know what's going on. I can't hear anything. Maybe I will hear some shouting, yelling soon. But taking Jesus up there and I'm over here by the fire. I just need to, I need to be close to him because I love him. But I also need to be close to him because I need to find out what's happening. But I can't draw attention to myself. I can't be caught. I just want to be close. I need to get the information, and the fire is the place for that information. You could picture the officers and the others that would be in the courtyard standing around talking about the events that just occurred. It's only natural. It would be, and some of us that are a little bit older would understand the water cooler reference, like the water cooler at work, or what they call them now at work in offices gathering areas. Right where you have the refrigerator at, everybody puts their lunches, but people end up ending up in there and they talk about the weekend, what happened today, can you believe so-and-so sent that email, what are we going to do this next coming weekend, so forth and so on. But that's what the fire is like. This is where they're gathered at, this big event with 500 to 1,000 soldiers went out and arrested Jesus, and now the people are standing, there's a bunch of these people that are involved there, we don't know how many, maybe a dozen or so, are standing around there talking about the events of the evening. You know, we were called out of bed to go out and arrest this guy. You know, it was a single guy. It was only one guy. Can you believe it? When they, I heard that they asked the name, his name, when he said, I am, I heard that everybody hit their knees. What is that all about? Why did that happen? We've never seen anything like that before or heard of anything like that before. You can see, you can hear, hear the rumors that are going about about who this person is. They say his name is Jesus. You know he's a Nazarene, right? You know he comes from Galilee. Nothing good comes from Galilee. You can just hear the, the language and the words that are going around this. And Peter is desperately trying to be hidden amongst these people who are the enemies. He wants to be hidden so they don't find out who he is. But he wants to hear what's happening to his Lord, to our Lord. He wants to know what's going on as much as he possibly can. I don't want to be caught. You can hear him hanging. You can almost see him. He's tilting his head, just, just 
hanging on to every word that is being said, just desperately trying to find out what is happening. And the adrenaline would be up with him. He would be a nervous wreck on the inside. And therein lies the problem. The unthinkable happens. I'm pretty good here. I'm warming my hands. These guys, the, the, these guys, some officers, some soldiers, are standing there. They don't even recognize me. I'm good. Standing here by the fire. It's a little warm by the fire. I got this. Nobody sees who I am. Verse 66 of chapter 14 of Mark. As Peter was below in the courtyard, one of the servant girls of the high priest came. Now, that servant girl, we identify her as the doorkeeper who let them in. This is who this servant girl is identified as. She comes from the door. We don't know the distance from the door to the fire, but she was at the door, and she's coming over to the fire. And here's the problem with fires. Fires give off light. Darkness helps us to hide, but fires give off light that maybe reveal things that are not meant to be seen. I can picture in my mind that this slave girl of the high priest is coming right at the fire. You could see, you could picture in your mind of Peter desperately trying not to make any eye contact with this person. Maybe if they just don't see me, they won't recognize me, right? If we don't make eye contact, we just keep them shaded. You know, if I kind of hide behind this guy, she won't see me. But you can almost picture this straight line that this girl says, hey, that's one of those guys. That's one of them. And he's in here with us. You could see in your mind, you could see... Peter glancing and seeing this girl coming. She can't be coming for me. That's, that's a, it must be something else. Some, some high priest business or something. I'm just going to stay here. I'm going to say unnoticed. But the problem is that fire, I've chosen to go where everybody's at, and the fire and the flames give light to the face. The light reveals things that maybe somebody wanted to be hidden the light always reveals what's to be hidden. If this room were dark at night as it is, if, you, if, if any of you have had the pleasure of being in here late at night, I mean, it is it, even on a, on a cloudy night, it is exceedingly dark in this room. You can't really, you only see shadows and images of things. You can't really see them clearly. But if you were to flip on the light, suddenly everything is revealed. Things you, saw, you thought you saw aren't there. The light reveals it all. Things that were hidden are revealed by the light. And it says in 67, And seeing Peter warming himself, warming his hands over the fire, over the brazier, the coals that are burning, she looked at him. The thing that, the absolute thing that he did not want to happen is now we have the eyes locked on him. Now remember, Peter is standing there under his own accord, under his own desire, under his own willpower. And he's standing there and she says, you also were with Jesus, the Nazarene. And I can tell you right now that the way this is said, the way you see this in the original language is extremely condescending. This is not, oh, hey, you were with the Nazarene, right? It isn't like that. This is absolutely accusatory of who he is and who he's associated with. You are with that guy. We know who you are. You're one of them. I recognize your face. We can feel Peter going white. Just the blood draining out of his face. The absolute terror that he is experiencing in that moment because that light of that fire has revealed who he was he was not able to stay hidden because the light revealed him the light revealed the man who was standing at the fire the light revealed the man who wasn't supposed to be there and it's a problem for him 
And at the exact same time, our Lord is under trial for his life. And Peter is trying to remain hidden. Look at Ephesians 5, chapter 13. And we'll play with this a little bit. Maybe a little here, maybe a little later. Ephesians 5.13. Picture the scene. Picture the darkness of the night. Picture Peter standing by the fire. Picture the flickering light or the glow from the coals. And it says in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 13, but all things become visible when they are exposed by the light. Peter is absolutely exposed right now. But maybe, maybe he's got a plan. Maybe Peter has a plan, even though she's looking him right in the face and the eyes reveal the person, right? Uh, the place I was at yesterday, we were having a, we uh, were a number of speakers there and we were talking about this and we, we said, you know, it's funny how you can, uh, you can tell a lot uh, about people where they're at with what you're speaking about by their eyes and the way their eyes move. The eyes reveal the person. I've heard before, and many of you probably have, the eyes are the windows of the soul. Uh, the eyes are, the eyes cast the light upon the soul that's within you, uh, you know, all these sort of misses that, but this, this, this person, this slave girl has locked on Peter and said, you are with the Nazarene, Jesus, the Nazarene. You are one of them. And we just read Ephesians where the light reveals, right? So let's go back to that Mark story, the Mark narrative. And what does he do? He does the only thing he can do. When you're accused of something that you don't want to be accused of, whether you're right, wrong, or indifferent, you were there at that place. You didn't want to be found out. You wanted to remain hidden. You wanted to stay there. You wanted to hear what was happening to your Lord. You wanted to know the status of what things were going on. It quite possibly can't be as bad as it is. And he does what the only thing he can do, that knee-jerk reaction, but he denied it. I am not, he says. I neither know. I love how he says this. I neither know nor understand what you are talking about. He is being emphatic that he has no idea. This Nazarene, I have no idea. What are you talking about? What are you talking about this Jesus? You know, the incredulous nature of what he's saying in the situation where he's at after there's 500 to 1,000 soldiers that are bringing this person in. And he's claiming he has no knowledge whatsoever of this person at all. It is, quite frankly, a ridiculous statement based on the information that we have, even if he wasn't one of them. Everybody knows what's going on now. You can't move a thousand soldiers out and back into the temple with people there without knowing what's happening. I neither know nor understand. Look, I'm going to emphatically say this in their way. That way I can't be guilty of what you're accusing me of. I'm sure we've all done it at various times in our lives, especially as a little child, right? Maybe we got into something worse. It wasn't me. Even though you got the spilled milk on your hand, it's on the floor, you're holding the cup. I didn't do it. It wasn't me. I don't, I neither know nor understand what you're talking about. Even though you're completely caught. Even though the light has revealed who Peter is. And it's going to reveal more of Peter. But the problem is, he is no longer hidden. He is no longer where he wants to be. He's no longer in any of the shadows. He is completely by himself with this accusation. And the light is exposing who he is. And what does he immediately do? He goes to the darkness. It says right there, and he went out onto the porch. He went away from the fire, from the light that was revealing who he was. He desires to remain hidden in the dark. He desires to remain hidden in the shadows. He desires to not be found out for who he is. They, I don't want these people to know who I truly am. I don't want these people to know who I am truly associated with. I want to kind of act like one of them. I want to be seen as one of them. I don't want to be seen who, 
or who I truly am. So I, my only recourse now is to, to go deeper into the shadows, to go into hiding from this situation. I still want to be close. I, I still want to know, but I'm going in there. But now we have one of the other characters of this narrative is coming in. I neither know you nor understand what you're talking about. And it says, and the rooster crowed. Just like Jesus had prophesied, one could say when we look at the, it's interesting that uh, the, that the, the Greek word for the rooster crowing uh, comes from a derivative of the word phone, right? Which is, you know, which we get phonic from. We get all these things with regard to voice. Uh, and it's interesting that that word used for the rooster crowing, uh, talking about the voice, one could almost say the words of the rooster. When the rooster crows, in completion of the first part of the prophecy that Jesus made about Peter, these words, this crowing of the rooster cutting Peter, maybe he doesn't quite realize what is happening yet. I mean, there is that fight or flight sort of idea that's going on. Maybe Peter thinks about that, but we don't know from this. And We always want to remember that what we're reading here are Peter's words. The record of what happened, what he did, trying to remain hidden in the rooster crows. He's moving back into the darkness. Hopefully we can see some relationships to this and other things in our own lives. Moving back towards the darkness because I can remain hidden here. This is me over here. I want to be over here. I don't want to be exposed in the light. I don't want to be seen for who I truly am. I want to remain over here. I want to be close enough that I can be part of the group, but I don't want to be seen. Just over here. This is, this is what I want. He is afraid of being found out. One can almost think, too, that the church in Rome who receives this, this epistle, or excuse me, this gospel, uh, that they are hearing this, too, because you know, the danger is them as Christian believers in a persecuted Rome that they will be found out. That they will be persecuted. That they will be revealed for who they are and that they follow Jesus the Nazarene, but we won't go there right at this moment. Peter is certainly afraid of what man can do as he moves away from the situation. The rooster crows. And here's the interesting thing about these roosters in Jerusalem. There's been a number of studies on them. They crow between the hours of midnight and three. Like clockwork. You could set your watch if there was watches back then by the roosters in Jerusalem. So we certainly know that it's after midnight right now. They generally stop around 3 in the morning crowing. It has to be really irritating thinking about it. Because if you've ever been around roosters, it's, it is absolutely irritating when they choose to crow. But that rooster, when it crows, stands in judgment of Peter. Peter's being exposed for who he truly is. He wants to set the distance and go back into the dark. And verse 69 says, And the servant girl saw him and began once more to say to the bystanders, This is one of them. This guy is one of them. You can't hide in the darkness. You can't get possibly far enough away because you have been revealed who you truly are. The true nature of you is being revealed, Peter. You can go stand over here in the shadows, but we know because the light has exposed you. The light has shone upon your face. We have seen who you truly are. We have seen what type of man you are. We have seen that you are a fearful man who is trying to get away from the situation and cannot stand on your own two feet. He certainly doesn't want to hear a rooster crow anymore. If I, if I at least get out of here without hearing another rooster crow, then Jesus was wrong. I just want to get away from my accusers. I want to get over here. I, I, I made a mistake standing in front of the light. I made a, mix, a mistake for people being able to see me. But now over here, but no, why won't this woman leave me alone? 
she's accusing me of being one of them. I don't want to be one of them. I don't want to be seen as one of them. I don't want to be seen as associated with Jesus, that Nazarene, because what's happening to him might happen to me. I'm fearful what these men can do to me. You can see the accusers, her finger pointing on, he's one of them. Can't you see he's one of them? I know he's one of them. I could see his face clearly, and I've identified him as one of those with the Nazarene. It says in verse 7, he said, but again he denied it. Again he denied it. And after a little while, the bystanders again were saying, Peter, surely, saying to Peter, surely you are one of them, for you are Galilean too. This guy is being completely exposed for everything that he is in front of these people that are complete strangers. He is being exposed for what he has his faith in, what he believes, and he doesn't want to be seen for it. He wanted to remain hidden so he could be just close enough to say I was there, but he is being exposed for who he truly is now by the light. He is no longer being able to be hidden in plain sight because now a whole bunch of people who probably didn't care about him being there now all of a sudden care. They have been drawn into the accusations for this man. This man who's one of them. This man who is with Jesus the Nazarene. And you know what else? You're a Galilean. We could hear it in your voice. You're not one of us. You're one of them. You're one of, the, one of those people. You're one of those people that cause problems, have been causing problems ever since you got to this city. You're one of those people that made us get up at midnight to go out and arrest people. I was sleeping, and now I had to go do these things. All because he stood in front of that light of the fire. All because his personage was being revealed for who it truly is. Oh, we can imagine that Peter just so wants to cower and he wants to get away and he wants to hide and he wants to not be seen anymore. But that accuser's finger right in front of his face, right there before him, accusing him. And all he's trying to do is under his own ability. And we just remember those words, and Satan has asked to sift you like wheat. Jesus didn't tell Satan no. Jesus says to Peter, but I have prayed for you. I have prayed for you, Peter. Just as Jesus sitting on the right hand of the Father right now is praying for all believers right now. Peter wants to be with Jesus, but he doesn't want to be noticed. And we find that a lot too. Per, he wants everything that comes with being associated with Jesus, but he doesn't want to pay the price for it. I want all these things. I want the three. Th- I want the free things. But this cost over here is a little bit higher than I want to pay. This sounds really good, but that price seems a little too steep for me. If I only can figure out a way to do it without having to pay this price and get all these things without having to pay it, I'll be pretty happy. Verse 71, what's he do? He begins to curse and to swear. Now, I will tell you, this is a little flat in the English. What he's really doing is he is calling a curse down upon himself. He says, he says, he began to curse and swear, I do not know this man that you are talking about. He is literally saying, By God's power, may he strike me dead if I am lying. I don't know him. I don't know this Nazarene. Who you, I, don't, I don't even understand what you're saying. Think about this. Walks with Jesus for three years. Called out by Jesus three years prior. And now he's saying, by God, I don't, I don't, don't know this man. May God strike me dead at this point in time. May he strike me right here on the spot. Emphatically. No, no, I don't know that guy. I mean, to do this as a Jew is pretty horrible. Especially when you're, it's abject lying that he's doing. 
I don't know this man you are talking about. I have no idea who this guy is. You have got the wrong man. You thought you saw something in me, but I'm not that guy. Maybe hopefully relying on the shadows that are still there. Vigorously proclaiming that he is not one of them. That he doesn't know anything about Jesus. And we can't help but wonder if Peter, at the moment those words came out of his mouth, whether or not he regretted it. Whether in his mind he was thinking, I can't believe that I said these words. I can't believe I said these words when I spoke so boldly before about staying with him to the end. Even I would go and die with you. Still doing everything he can't he can do to not be revealed for who he is. We can take a little tiny little detour of a few words and say that this is what God's word does to us. God's word is the light into our lives that reveals who we truly are. And then that sentinel in the night. Immediately in verse 72, immediately, euthus in the Greek, a rooster crowed a second time. And I can tell you right now that we can tell by these words. And it says, and Peter remembered how Jesus had made the remark to him before a rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. And he began to weep. That sound of that rooster cut him deep. That sound of that rooster was a absolutely piercing his heart, was a killing blow to Peter. The thing he said he would never do, he has absolutely done at that moment. The thing that he said he would never do, he did right then and there. He tried to remain hidden, but the light revealed who he truly was. The light revealed the nature of the man. The light revealed where his heart truly was affixed. His fear of men overweighed his love of the Savior. We wonder if he remembered the words in Luke chapter 22, verse 32. Probably not at that moment. It would have been tough. But right after... Right after... Satan had asked to sift him like wheat. In 32 it says, But I, Jesus, I have prayed for you, Peter, that your faith may not fail, and you, when once you have been turned again, will strengthen your brothers. The light for Peter, the light of that fire, has revealed his true nature, his true character, has revealed his heart, has exposed it before all these people. His hubris and pride was not what he thought it was. Uh, He could not stand on his own at this situation. He was standing there in that place, we know, without prayer because he fell asleep. He was standing in that place without Jesus because he was on his own. He was standing there without trusting in the Lord's plan. He was trying to hide in plain sight, trying to be associated with Jesus, but not be seen as associated with Jesus. Sometimes we do that same thing. We can we read the books in our private life. We say the right things to other Christians. We go to the right church. But at work, we're afraid of being discovered for who we truly are. We are, refa- we are afraid to be revealed by the light of who we are. We are afraid before men to see who we are. We want the, the things that Jesus can do for us, but we don't want to pay the price what it means to follow. We want these things. We want the salvation. Uh, we want to be with Jesus. Uh, we want heaven, but we don't want the cross. We want a Jesus of our own making, not the one that God has chosen 
the means of which to give us salvation. We like the cross without the blood. When I hear people complain about there's so much blood, yeah, yeah, that's right, there is. There's a lot. And it's only by the blood of Christ that goes into the holy place before us that is sprinkled upon the altar that is made without hands and the holy of holy places that is not made by human hands that provides us with salvation. We want the friendly Jesus. We don't want the judgmental Jesus. We want the Jesus that comforts us when we're feeling bad about ourselves. We don't want the Jesus whose light of His Word exposes who we truly are and our true need for Him. We want to hide in the shadows of the porch and say, I knew Jesus, but not let anybody know that we know Him. John chapter 3, verse 18. Notice how I'm starting at 18 and not 316. 3.18 He who believes in Him and Jesus is not judged. He who does not believe has been judged already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Verse 19, this is the judgment that the light has come into the world and men love the darkness rather than the light for their deeds were evil. For everyone who does evil hates the light and does not come to the light for the fear that his deeds will be exposed. But he who practices the truth comes to the light so that his deeds may be manifested as having been wrought by God. How I pray that you will see that the light of God we see in Jesus, we see the light of God in his word, in the scripture itself, reveals our true nature. Reveals This Word reveals who I truly am. This Word reveals in Jeremiah 17.9 that I have a desperately wicked heart. And I can't understand it. Only God can understand my heart. Only God provides the light that needs to illumine me to see who I truly am and my need for a Savior. I feel bad when I, when I talk about Peter like this because at some point in time, we all who are believers are going to meet Peter. And I know for a fact that Peter is stronger than me. <clears throat> Ephesians 5.13 <clears throat> Excuse me. But all things become visible when they are exposed by the light. For everything that becomes visible is light. For this reason it says, Awake, O sleeper. Awake, you who don't know who Jesus is. Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead. And Christ will shine on you. Oh, for Christ to expose our weaknesses, to expose our sins, to that we know that we have that Savior whose blood has been spilled for our salvation. To know that it is full and complete, that there's no no more for us to do, so that we can boldly proclaim our Savior in our workplace, in our families, with our friends, on the streets. So that we don't cower away in the shadows when they say, you're one of them with Jesus the Nazarene. And you boldly say, yes, I am. It is the only place to be because where you're at is certain damnation. I am with the only light that there truly is and He has done it all for me. Oh, that we could boldly proclaim that. See, the problem was is Peter couldn't do that because he was there. He thought he could do it on his own and he thought he could do it without Jesus. And I'm going to tell you right now, you cannot stand before your friends, your family, your workmates without Jesus in your life, without relying fully on Him for His strength. It is God's Word that is a cutting two-edged sword. It says in Hebrews 4.12, the one that penetrates in soul and uh, joints of marrow into our soul. It penetrates us, cuts us, reveals who we truly are, reveals our need for a Savior. My suggestion for you is to examine yourselves, to read God's words and see where you stand before Him, to understand what He is. Where do I lay before God? Am I one of His? Can I testify that Jesus the Nazarene is the one I follow? Check your word. Check, check your heart. Check your heart against the Scripture where you land. 
Ask for God to illumine those areas of your heart that need to be exposed for what they are. For the weakness and to rely on Him for your strength. For when we are weak, He is strong. I would suggest this week as you go to read the Scripture. Read the next set of Scripture that we're going into next week. Read that Mark chapter, uh, what are we in? Uh, 15, 15.1. Read Mark chapter 15.1 as it goes on there. I just want to catch what the verses are. I didn't look a whole bunch forward in that. Read 15.1 and it's there. It's, it's, it's Jesus before Pilate is what we're starting into. Read that whole chapter. Read all of chapter 15 this week. Pray about what you're reading. Pray about the Scripture. Pray that your heart will be revealed and your need for a Savior is revealed. Attend worship service like you're going out. Continue to do so. It is what we are called to do to be obedient. And finally, as I close out, look at John, 1 John chapter 4, verse 18. 1 John 4, 18. There is no fear in love. But perfect love casts out fear because fear involves punishment and the one who fears is not perfected in love. Verse 19, we love because he first loved us. That's what we want to rely on, that perfect love. That perfect love that Christ gives to us, to all those who believe, and I would ask that you trust in him. Remember, it is okay to be exposed by the light of His Word, by the light of Christ in your life, to be exposed to you truly are a sinner that is needing salvation. Because remember, you cannot, there is no possible way for you to out-sin Christ's sacrifice. There is zero way that you can out-sin Christ's sacrifice. There is nothing you have done or will do that, that can negate the ability of His blood in that cross. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for this day and thank you for your word and thank you for thank you for Peter, the apostles. Just thank you for what you have given us. Please give us the strength that we need to proclaim that we are with Jesus the Nazarene, that we are one of his. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.